0: We have been looking the last few weeks at uh, a new kind of series. And we've been looking at this idea of Jesus says. Everyone remember playing Simon Says at some point in your life? Yeah, probably in school, like someone standing up the front telling you to do these actions. But you only did it if Simon said, right? Well, I believe that when Jesus speaks and we see in Scripture where Jesus speaks, he actually calls us to action. When Jesus speaks, it's not just words for our mind, it's not just here's some nice things that this guy said a few thousand years ago, but it's actually words that we need to then take action from, yeah? And so we've had a look at a a couple of ideas. Last week was a particularly tough one, love your enemies, that Jesus talked about. And I'm praying that Holy Spirit's continuing to do a work in your heart around that, about how we love our enemies? How do we start blessing those people that we find the most frustrating or those who are against us? It's not just a nice idea. It's not like one of these things that we hear. Jesus tells us to do it. We we need to do it. Um, And so... We do it bit by bit, don't we? we? We ask the Holy Spirit to start changing our heart. We start blessing. We start praying for our enemies. Well, um, when we talk about Jesus says, I want to make it really clear that this isn't another set of pharisaical rules that we have to start doing. Yeah? Yeah? Jesus is actually, when we looked at the Sermon on the Mount a couple of weeks, he, He's addressing some of those things. Like, you guys have made all these laws and rules and you, you try and do the right thing, but it's actually more about your heart. When I say Jesus says, it leads us to action. But these aren't, these aren't rules. These are words from a Father who loves us, right? A Father who wants the best and most rewarding, richest life possible for us. And so when we take these things on it's because God like loves you. He wants the best for you and he is restoring our world. These are these are values, kingdom values that require heart change. Um All right. Are we are you with me this morning? It's really good that you're with us. We Love it every Sunday morning to to get together and party. Um, All right. I was thinking last night, and it came as late as last night, about some of my favorite TV characters of all time. My favorite, and, and let me put another little thing in there, comedy TV characters of all time. Now, if I say that, I'm sure that some of you are already thinking, who are my favourite kind of like TV comedy characters of all times? And, and I, I've got some of them, my favourites, and, and maybe they share with you. It does show my age just a little bit. But uh, the first one that I, I couldn't get out of my head is Homer Simpson. Now, I don't know if you watched The Simpsons, but Homer is honestly... I. I dare you to think of a funny character than Homer. If Homer was real life, he would be pretty annoying. Uh, but Homer is really funny. Anyone, any other Homer fans? Like, like the whole. I remember when The Simpsons started and it was all about Bart, right? Does anyone remember this? The first couple of seasons are all about Bart, this rebellious kid. He's supposed to be the star. But after about two seasons, it just focused on Homer. Because Homer is. Is the reason why that show is, is really funny. I haven't watched The Simpsons for at least 10 years, but Homer, what a great character. No, no one else thinks Homer's funny? Homer is like, he's dumb and he's funny, and I love it. He is caring, yeah, you know. You know, like The Simpsons got a really bad rap. This is my own soapbox. The Simpsons got a really bad rap. But do you know one of the best story arcs in The Simpsons is about how they try and stick together as a family? Isn't that cool? I like it. Anyway, move on. Uh, The next character that I thought of is Mr. Bean. Now, Mr. Bean's a bit of a favourite in our house because... Well it, it's like age appropriate all ages you can watch Mr Bean and honestly if you haven't watched Mr Bean in the last few years go and watch an episode cuz he's hilarious it's like the least social aware person that's ever existed and it's he's just hilarious what a what a great like character um any other Mr Bean kind of yeah come on is there people who just can't stand Mr. Bean? Because there usually is at least one. And that, you're not going to, willing to admit it. All right. Um, up there near the top of all time is another kind of frustrating character, but I think is so funny. And that is Michael Scott from The Office. Uh, Michael Scott is, again, speaking of self-aware, like absolutely not, uh, he is so frustrating, right? But also incredibly hilarious. Just so funny. Uh, if, again, if you haven't watched The Office, watch The Office. Dan didn't watch The Office for years. Like he was like against it or something. And then he watched it. And how good is it? It's amazing. Okay. So Michael Scott, another one of my favorites. Uh, okay, another one that I've re watched this series. Uh, a couple of times. And it was kind of like, you know there's characters that it's like, it's, it's kind of cool to like the characters. And you, then you're like, oh, maybe they're a bit overhyped. But then you watch the series again and you're like, no, nah, he's just too funny. He's too funny. And that's Cosmo Kramer. If you've watched Seinfeld, like, like there's lots of funny characters in Seinfeld. But w- he is cancelled. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have a picture on the... Oh. That's the actor. The character is squeaky clean. Um, <laughs> honestly, you re Seinfeld. Kramer is hilarious. Every time he's on the screen, amazing, so funny. All right. The last one, maybe, maybe one of my faves in, in my top five, obviously, is, a, is from the show we just saw, The Office, and that's Dwight Schrute. Oh, yeah. Dwight... I, I'm looking at Mark down the back and thinking, you know. Uh, Dwight is hilarious. Office, people who've watched Office, just give me a wave if you've watched The Office. If you haven't watched The Office, you're like, Nath, what are you talking about? Get to the point. Dwight, when I read the Scripture, when I've looked over the Scripture verse for this week, that for some reason I can't stop thinking of Dwight. I know that sounds really weird, but uh, Dwight is a guy who is attracted to power and position, right? He's a guy who actually holds no position in the office, but he makes, like, he's the assistant to the regional manager, which, you know, like, it actually means nothing, but he's attracted to that power and position. He wants to be as close to Michael as he can. He's, he's a full like, suck-up to Michael, isn't he, for most of the time. He, he's about siding with the person with the most kind of power. We're looking uh, later in Matthew than we've looked the last couple of weeks. And starting at, at chapter 20, we're looking at Matthew. Starting it at, at verse 25 to 28. Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favour. What is your request? He asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honour next to you. One on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? That's a great sentence, by the way. Oh yes, they replied, we are able. Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. My father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. But Jesus called them together and said, "'You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, "'and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. "'But among you it will be different. "'Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, "'and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave.'" For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's pray and then have a look at this. Uh, God, thank you that you're with us always. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you draw your truth from these words. We thank you for your Word of God, the living Word of God. We thank you that it gives life, that it brings life that it exposes the darkness and brings your light. We pray in the name of Jesus, have your way this morning. Amen. All right. So that Jesus says this morning is serve others. Serve others. I always think that this story is a little bit funny. That just might be my warped sense of humor. But James and John, who are disciples of Jesus get their mum to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, can, can my sons come and sit next to you on your throne? Does anyone else think that's a bit like funny? Like, come on, guys. Mark's account actually paints James and John in a better light because Mark's account doesn't have their mum come and ask Jesus. They go straight to Jesus in his account. Um, but they're asking this thing. We want to sit next to you when you're on your throne, Jesus. Now, when we read that and we think of God's kingdom, we're, we're obviously thinking about uh, the picture of God's kingdom that's been revealed to us. But these guys still didn't really quite get what Jesus was talking about. They were literally picturing a physical throne that Jesus would sit on and they were asking, could we be the ones who sit like the closest to you, on either side of you when you sit on that throne. The other, other disciples, the verse tells us, that they hear that James and John have gone, well, actually that James and John's mum has gone to ask Jesus if they can sit next to him. They, they get pretty annoyed about this. It says they were indignant. They, they get annoyed. I like to think that they're annoyed because they, they, the James and John got in first. It's not that they're annoyed that they asked. They're just annoyed that, oh, why didn't I think of that? Why couldn't I sit next to Jesus when, he, when he's sitting on the, on the throne? But Jesus uses this moment as a massive teaching opportunity for his disciples, but also for us here today as we sit thousands of years later together. Jesus says, do you want to lead? Do you want to be a person of influence? Well, in God's kingdom, it's not about how important you think you are. In God's kingdom, it's not about the seat that you sit on. In God's kingdom, it's not the title or the rank that you have. And it's definitely not about power or money or position in God's kingdom. If you want to lead in God's kingdom, if you want to be a person of influence in God's kingdom, you need to serve others. When we start talking about kingdom values and kind of taking on kingdom values, we need to take a moment to just remind ourselves that every single one of us in this room has been discipled. To be followers of worldly values. The environment that we've grown up in, whether it be school, work, media, everything around us actually disciples us to take on worldly values, right? We we know what those things are. And the worldly values of a leader are that leaders are strong, right? We see that. Leaders are strong. If you're a good leader, if you are influential, well, people are supposed to serve you, right? Yeah? If the queen asks for someone to serve her, it happens, right? The queen gets served. If the, the prime minister or president, those people who are supposedly good leaders, strong, influential, well, people are supposed to serve them. That's, that's what we've been told our, our whole life. That's what we see around us. We also know that, or we've been led to believe that leadership is about power and position and influence. And if you are a great leader, these things... Your power, your influence, will they actually serve you. You can get further and further ahead if you have more power, if you have more influence. It's self-serving. And they're the kind of things that even if we, we haven't written an essay about, we know because that's how the world kind of operates. But can I just tell you, So when we see these kingdom principles at play, who knows that we see an even better model of leadership. It's really hard to not see the picture of like Putin when you think of that strong leadership. Doing whatever kind of he wants at the moment. As worldly leadership. But I want to tell you this morning, this principle, this value that Jesus has of leadership is such a a better model. Can I tell you the best politicians that we've ever seen? And I, I know that you're racking your brain to think, who are the best politicians I've ever seen? But the best politicians that we've ever seen, can I tell you what they do? They serve the people, don't they? They serve the people. The best team captains we've ever seen in sport. Do you know that the best captains are the captains who serve their team? I, um, one of my proudest moments, apart from the Tigers winning three premierships over four years, was actually seeing some footage post-game of a match the Tigers had played. The, the locker rooms had cleared out and they had a camera on. And Trent Cotchin, who was the captain of the Tigers at the time, just saw him in the background and he was cleaning up all the Gatorade bottles in the locker room. The captain was serving his players. You ask any of those players who's the best captain ever, they'll tell you it was Trent Cotchin. That's my bias because of the Tigers. But, but a good captain serves his team. He doesn't expect his teammates to serve him, right? We see it in the workplace. The best bosses that you've probably ever had, the best managers that you've ever had are the ones who have served their employees, right? The best team leaders that you've ever had are the ones who have served their team. Some of the worst leaders that we've ever seen are the ones who expect others to serve them, right? It's all about position, it's all about power, all about serving self. But the best, use their position and power to serve others. Are you with me? Do you, do you agree with that this morning? Can I tell you, Jesus knew what he was talking about. This isn't another religious rule, like I said, but it's actually leading a more rewarding life. And I believe it goes hand in hand with our first week talking about, Jesus says, in which we talked about being salty, right? The idea of Jesus saying we are to be salt of the earth is is us adding flavour to our neighbourhoods. Wouldn't it be better in our neighbourhoods if we were serving each other rather than trying to get one up on our neighbour. I want to tell you, we've never lived in a more individualistic time as right now in the world. Everything revolves around ourselves. How, How do we get the best feelings for ourselves? Imagine the impact of being a people... Who follow Jesus, who lay down our own agenda, who lay down our sometimes even our own preferences, our own comfort to serve someone else. Wouldn't that have an impact in our neighborhoods? Wouldn't that have an impact in our workplaces? I want to suggest that it would have an impact in our families. There isn't a better marriage tip that I know of than to serve your spouse. When we serve others, what it does as well is it doesn't elevate us, right? When we serve others, it doesn't elevate us as if we're the best. But what it actually does, it shows people that they are valued, doesn't it? If we serve someone, it shows them that that they are valued, that they are loved, that they belong and that they matter. Now, when I think of serving, I'll be honest with you. I think of the negatives of serving, right? I think, oh, that's hard work. Oh, that means I don't get to always do what I want. I have to serve someone else. But my experience as well is a byproduct of serving, is that when you serve someone, who knows that there's actually joy in serving? When we serve someone, there's actually joy. There's, it, it gives us also like purpose. It's similar to when we give, isn't it? Like we always think like the world value is that we accumulate and the kingdom value is that we give as much as we can, Right? I always think that when we give, there's joy in giving, isn't there? Like we experience that joy. It's the same, I believe, as serving. Now, as a church, I believe what Jesus is calling us to do, first and foremost, is to serve our neighbourhood. When it, when it comes to us as a church, I believe the way we lead our neighborhood is by serving our neighborhood, isn't it? We serve this neighborhood that we're, that we're planted in with the, the kind of the suburb of Oakton and surrounding, but we also serve the neighborhoods that we live in. We actually in the room represent. A fair portion of Adelaide, I reckon. If we were to go, what suburb do we all live in? We, we represent a, a pretty good area. But I believe that Jesus' message in this, how we serve our neighbourhood, is for the neighbourhood that we physically live in as well. And I believe that we also need to serve one another. Now, it's pretty agreeable. Do, do you all agree with this? this so far, that this is something that Jesus said, so we should do it. I, I want to look at a few more scripture because this isn't an isolated verse. And actually Jesus teaches on it. And, and he does it in a very dramatic fashion. In John 13, Jesus washes the feet of his disciples. Do we remember that? That actually Jesus serves... His disciples, those who are following him, Jesus lowers himself and washes their feet. After he does that, he says to his disciples, he says, I have given you an example to follow, do as I have done to you. Jesus makes it pretty clear that this isn't like an isolated one-off, serve others. He's made an example of it. Serve others. How do you do it? Philippians 2, Paul talks about it as well to the churches. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Paul again writes in Galatians 5 For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command love your neighbor as yourself. We agree that this is a, a pretty great idea. And I think most of us in the room could, could see how if we all served each other, life, life would be better. Our neighbourhoods would be better. That we could be like that salt adding flavour in our homes, in our workplaces, schools. Jesus says, serve others. The question is, how do we do it, right? Right? Are you already thinking about that? Because to me it seems like, oh, that's, that's heaps hard work. And I, I want to tell you that we can't skip the hard work. I think serving others does require sacrifice. But there's two things I want to focus on. And this is something that Jesus always focuses on. If we really want to start serving others, the first thing it requires is heart change, doesn't it? Heart change. If we read into those, uh, those verses that Paul wrote, he says, think of others as better than yourselves. That requires a pretty big shift in my heart sometimes, right? For those of us in the room who have, have served a lot before, who've maybe served those who are a bit less fortunate than us. Maybe for some of us, we've, we've served others in, in some pretty difficult situations, who've maybe had a life of, of hardship. Well, know it's sometimes a lot easier to serve people who appreciate it, right? And that there are plenty of times where we serve people who don't appreciate it. Paul says it, Jesus says it. When it comes to serving others, the heart change we need is humility. And I don't know about you, but when it comes to humility, I need the Holy Spirit's help. Our heart change comes In how we see other people. We can judge people by their actions or their reactions. But actually what Jesus is saying, we need to see other people as our Father sees them. As God sees them. That they are created in the image of God. That they are God's masterpieces. That they are loved by God. Even sometimes when the behaviour is pretty awful. Can we take a moment and ask God to maybe do some of that heart change? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, God, we, we need you in these moments. We, we really want to do what you've asked us to do. Uh, Jesus, we want to follow you. We want to we obey kind of the things that you say. And right now we are grateful because you have sent the Holy Spirit to help us. Holy Spirit, right now we ask for heart change. Help us to serve others. Not just the ones who deserve our help, but also the ones who, through behaviour, through whatever reason, we feel like they don't deserve our help. I ask that you change our mindset, Holy Spirit, that you change our hearts towards others. We ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you, um, that you put a burn inside of us, that we might serve the poor, the outcast, that we might serve the, the widow and the orphan, Yeah, we we, we need a change of heart. Holy Spirit, come and do that in us right now. Amen.